the, uh, the automatic one has a cord problem. So <laughs> I'm going to use the handhold. If, I, if you don't hear me, just go like this or something. It's my pleasure this morning to talk to you because you're my family. And I don't feel too nervous in front of you all because you all know me. But uh, we have the pleasure now of looking at one of the seven messages, eight messages that we have from our church here. The one I'm focusing on this morning is Jesus is the living word. And I'm looking forward to doing it with you. So let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is the living word, that you are alive and well and among us and within us, and you guide and direct us in our lives. You've given us purpose. You've given us life. You've come among us. You've lived among us so long ago, and yet you're still here. And your word, your written word, brings it alive and shows us yourself. So I pray now, God, that you would uh, guide and direct my words, that you may lead us all in understanding this more truly in our hearts. This we pray in Jesus' name, powerful name, amen. amen. So I want to ask you first a question, and that is, what are some of the ways we hear from God? What are some of the ways we hear from God? And I'm an instructor, so I like to write what you put. What are some of the ways that we hear from God? Hear from God. Ways we hear from God, anyone? The Bible, okay. Other believers. Answers to prayer. Good. Back, back here, I have a hand up. Yes? They're a cat. <laughs> Circumstances, indeed. I heard creation. Through the Holy Spirit, okay. Anything else come to mind? Yeah? Oh, an audible in my head. <laughs> loud in heart, head. <laughs> Sometimes it's audible. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know what it is, but we know it's God. Yeah. Anything else come to mind? It's a good list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Other believers, that'll fit. <laughs> there you go, Eric. <laughs> All right. This list is a nice list, and it's in line with what we've put out as our uh, message, uh, one of our messages, in particular, the one I'm going to talk about, and that's uh, message number seven, Jesus is the Living Word, and it reads like this. It's in your bulletin, by the way. Let's make sure it's there. Yeah, it's right there, and it's very cool because it aligns with just exactly, I mean, we want to hear from God, right? We've got all this. Here's what we've said about our church. Jesus is, the is God's message to us. And therefore, the foundation 
behind the written word, the Bible. Check. <laughs> Jesus speaks through the Bible, through his creation, in prayer, and in any circumstance, both directly by the Holy Spirit and indirectly through others to all who will listen to him. So I'm delighted that, you know, the one I got <laughs> speaks to a lot of what we're looking for here at Walnut Creek Friends Church, is how do we hear from God? And it's very nice to have that list getting us started. So my goal is to explore this a little more fully with you for this week and next week, and also for us together to be listening to what God has to say to us about it. I need to start a little bit just talking about George Fox, our original founder for the Friends Quaker Church. He um, was... He, he knew the scriptures very well. He also knew the practices of the time. And he was a little frustrated with what he could see, both in himself and in others. He felt that he was not living the abundant life he wanted to and that Jesus had promised for us. And he also saw from the leaders in the church, they were kind of like the hypocrites in Jesus' day, um, just following after the rituals or the religion of the day and then during the week acting just like any other person in the world. Sometimes we see that today. And I can relate to that as I look back at my life when I first got to know the Lord. So I want to share with you a little bit about me. I grew up in Walnut Creek here in a typical, I'm going to say typical, somewhat dysfunctional, <laughs> typical um, Christian home, nominal Christian home, okay? And uh, when my parents could find me on a Sunday morning, I would get to go to Sunday school. Now, when I mean th could find me, I didn't like Sunday school. So I would get up early and take my bike and go hiking in the hills. Long ago, I used to love to hike in the hills to get away from Sunday school. <laughs> and if it wasn't hiking in the hills, there was this big, huge pine tree next door. There's about five stories high. And I would go all the way to the top. And I would hear my mom or dad yelling, Doug, Doug, it's time for church. And, go, and I wouldn't answer until the very last minute, so I didn't have to go. But eventually they would get me to go. And when I went, it was typical Sunday school. You hear the stories and do some arts and crafts. <laughs> but I wasn't transformed through that. Just, just going through the ritual of Sunday school. So there's much more than that to a Christian life. So... Wonderfully enough, my grandmother um, was in love with Jesus. She was also in love with Dr. Vernon McGee. <laughs> so she pulled me to the Dallas conference in Mount Hermon. And uh, that was my probably sixth grade, seventh grade junior high. And uh, got me there. And they had a um, junior high um, evening at the campfire down the, I don't know if you know the area, but there's a swinging bridge, there was that little beach down there. We had a campfire down there, and they explained the gospel, and I heard it in my heart for the first time. So I accepted the Lord that night, that very night. But later that year, I'd kind of forgotten that I did it. It didn't make a lot of difference, and I suddenly remembered it, so I prayed it again. And it didn't make a lot of difference in my life, so that summer, I went to a Christian camp. My parents signed me up for Christian camp. It was Hume Lake. Um, and I ex prayed the prayer again. It didn't seem to make a lot of difference that year. <clears throat> but then uh, the next year, I went again to Hume Lake, this high school. I was not yet high school, but went to high school. And um, 
knew that I needed to, to make a big a difference. I mean, I heard it in a different way, that it was supposed to change my life. So I prayed it again, but this time there were some friends there that we talked and talked about it. And we prayed about it and said, let's, after our praying about it, we made a commitment to help each other grow in the Lord in the next high school year. Now, that kind of fell apart a little bit, but I knew at that point that it needed to be with other believers, that I needed that strength, that, that encouragement to grow. So it made a difference that year, my first year in high school. And what's cool about that is that um, what we did in high school, it was kind of like what we've done here at Walnut Creek Friends Church, where we put a goal together for the church. You look, at the, you look at the messages, there's a goal for the church in there, and it's very similar to what my friends and I prayed that night. It says, our, our goal, love is our goal. Becoming like Jesus is the key. Becoming like Jesus is also a process. Becoming a Christian is an event, but becoming like Jesus is a lifelong process. We are committed to Jesus and to each other in doing this. So what happened for me back then is what's happening here at this church. is something that we want to continue. And we're doing that through our series that we're doing right now. The You all, <laughs> you all see um, messages, okay? So how can I not go over what are our messages? Okay, but you're going to help me do that. Okay, those who, <clears throat> those who don't usually answer, what is the Jesus is? <laughs> so I look at Carrie over here. She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I could. Those of you who don't normally answer, what is the you? Anybody? Oh, there's a hand up. Unique. N-I-Q-U-E. Jesus is unique. Second. One, another one. All sufficient. That'll work. There's an A right there. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, another A. Alive and present. Good. Oops. Good? Absolutely necessary. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely essential. Good. L. Loving? I don't think that's... Is love. Love. Okay. Love. Good. And then Nick, Lord, and now me, Karen, what? Living word. <laughs> and the last one, which is going to be in three weeks or so, Christ. Thank you. <clears throat> back to our purpose, our goal is to know Jesus. 
And we're doing it through looking at each of these aspects of Jesus. Unique, all-sufficient, alive and present, absolutely essential. He is love. He is Lord. He is living word. He is Christ. So we're helping each other do that. And I think that's very, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. It's something we came up with here. <laughs> but that's a good question. You know, you might think it's part of our overall doctrine and all that. Uh, but no, it's, it's just, again, our commitment to each other to help understand how Jesus is these things. It's very cool. Very cool. All right. Now, we have, as part of learning this, we've taken each one of these and put into more detail. And the one I have, Jesus is the living word, has this detail. And I would call these kind of goals or practices, um, and it's because of each one of these things we do them. Is this in the bulletin? I don't think it is. No. Okay. So I'm going to refer to that as we go. Because Jesus is the living word, let's drill it down a little bit, we have three things that we aim to do. We read, study, and teach the Bible as the inspired word of God that leads us to Jesus Christ, the living word. Good stuff. The second one we strive to do is that we manage our thoughts and time so that we may pay attention to him. We practice silence and solitude. Okay, we do that in a number of ways. We like to do it here on Sunday morning. And I encourage, and I like to do, spend time in God's creation and do it myself. So that's something we try to encourage each other to do. And third, a goal is that we expect to hear from him when we listen. And I particularly like that when we're doing leadership meetings. We really just want to hear from God so that we can do what he wants us to do, not what we think is best on our own. Okay, so those are the three things that because Jesus is the living word, we strive to do. And I've experienced a lot of these along the way. So let me give you a few examples of this that um, I've had in my life. First of all, the first one, to read, study, and teach the Bible as the inspired written word of God. This is a practice I've been exposed to a lot over the years. Okay. In my high school group, we had a very good Bible teacher, and we learned a lot about the Word of God, what it said, and why it was put together. So we learned a lot of that about the Bible itself. And, um, but as part of the process, and we had 100, 150 kids in our youth group. It was a big group. And um, I learned a lot. But I seem to miss the second part of this. That is that the written Word of God is what leads us to Jesus Christ, the living Word. I don't know about you, some of you may have had a very Bible teaching background, and we can learn a lot about the Word, but if we miss that key point that Jesus is the living Word, that Jesus Christ is the living Word, that's what it's pointing to. And I think I still struggle with that. You know, I love to study it, but I really need to know the author, not just what was written. Okay. We have a verse that helps us with this. Uh, it's John 1, 1 through 5, and verse 14. We have it coming up here, I'm sure. In the beginning, you all know this, in the beginning was the Word, there it is. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
or overcome it. And the word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us and beheld his glory. We beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. I mean, it's the word come alive. It's not the, just the written word. It's he himself. Do we have a vital living relationship with him? That's the point. I, mean, I can learn all the scripture I want, and I did in high school, but it didn't make a lot of difference until he became Lord of my life, the real person in, in me. Okay. <clears throat> in high school, I was very active in church. I, um, in fact, church, my life kind of centered around church activities. You know, I was in uh, the choir, I was in the youth group, I was in a small singing group that actually traveled around singing and ended up singing here back in 1971. <laughs> um, it was a, an interesting journey. Um, so I did a lot. And uh, we had midweek Bible study, and I played volleyball in the gym. I thought a Christian fun. But when I waited, went away to college, I joined a fellowship there, and my lack of depth in my relationship with Jesus was quickly exposed to not only me, but to those around me. And I really felt like I missed something. I don't know. Sometimes our Christianity becomes defined by our activity and by the relationships we have. And all of those things had gone away. Suddenly I had, known, I had to make all new friends, and they didn't know me for all the things I had done. And it was the Lord Jesus that I really needed as a relationship in my life at that point. So fortunately, there were some people in that fellowship who were willing to step aside, step, step up, come alongside, and to teach me how to grow that relationship with God. I learned what we called a quiet time with God. I learned what that was about. What do you do when you're with God in a quiet time with God? Um, and so I've learned how to do that, and I've tried to keep that front and center that every day I would spend time with God. So what do you do in that time? After many years of practice, I'm doing better. <laughs> in fact, Revelation 3.20 is kind of one of my charters in doing it. Revelation 3.20, we'll come up there, you all know it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone, let's see. He who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. One day the Lord spoke to me through this verse to say, Doug, I want to have meals with you. So for my quiet time, you know how sometimes people say, I've got to have a quiet time, so I set aside an hour. When am I going to do this? I do mine over breakfast. So the Lord and I have breakfast, so to speak, every morning. And I eat my cereal, but I also eat some of the word, <laughs> which is kind of like you know, the... Um, Jews in the nation of Israel in the wilderness, right? What did they have? What did, how did God sustain them? Through manna. How long was the manna good for? One day. If I try to learn the word today and try and let it go over to the next day, it will be stale. And yet God revitalizes some of that for time, and I'm sharing with you today some some things he put into my heart. It's not stale in my heart. So these are things I may have learned a while ago. They weren't yesterday's quiet time. <laughs> but um, that's what I strive for, is to have fresh word each day, fresh word from God each day. And it comes oftentimes from scriptures. So it's manna, manna for me. 
again, this process taught me a lot through Scripture, the process of having a quiet time. And one of the things that I was taught to do was ask three questions. And they are, what does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to me? I'm doing pretty good on the first two almost every time. But it's that third one that can be a little challenging. What does the verse say? Write it down. What is it? And I write it down. I write it down in my little journal. I have a, you know, a time. It's a day timer. and has a place where I can write it down. So I write down the verse for that day. And then I ask, what does it mean? Now, when I say, what does it mean? It's like the context. What is happening at that time? I may get a dictionary out and look up the words to see what is the real meaning. I am not a Greek scholar, but sometimes I pull out a Greek book and say, what is the, what is the interpretation of this word? Um, and it's, I don't, I'm not very good at this, but if I know the history of what's going on with the people, I can get a deeper knowledge of what this verse is saying. But the real important part is to say, what does it mean to me? And that requires praying and saying, God, what are you saying to me through this verse? And he'll make it come alive. And sometimes that ends up just writing down a prayer, Lord, thank you for, and whatever it is. So that's a real important part of my quiet time. 2 Timothy 3.16. Yeah, it's, it's there. <clears throat> All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. After high school and after college, um, I did a number of things, but one of the things that God brought me to was to be, um, to hook up with a guy in Navigators. If you know about the Navigators ministry, they really focus on knowing the Word of God. And one of the things, we went through this verse, let's put it back up there, the first verse that is... Uh, 3.16, and I love what they do with Scripture sometimes, and that is all Scripture is inspired, a God-breathed, and useful for it. And what they pointed out was that these are in a, seem to be in a particular order. Teaching first, that's hearing the Word of God. Rebuking, in my uh, New American Standard, it says for, correction, uh, for reproof. When you hear something taught to you, you have to ask, how does that apply to me? How does that reproof or compare to my own life? And then thirdly, correction. Is that up there? Yes, correcting. So then you apply it. You make a difference in your life with it. And then finally, uh, training in righteousness. Righteousness is as we walk before God, and that's through Jesus. So there's a real purpose in Scripture to bring us through this process. So if you're wondering what God's doing when he teaches you a verse, that's really cool to see that it's right there in Scripture. Here's what I'm doing with the Word in your life. Joshua 1.8 is another good reason to know the Scriptures. I like this one. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall have success. Who in here does not want to be successful? <laughs> we all want to be successful. The word of God, his word, his living word in us, is what makes us successful. But what do you... How do you assess what is successful? It's a lot about spiritual things, not necessarily at all about what the world calls successful. So our success comes from our obedience to him, our following him, him living in us. Joshua 1.8, keep it there. <clears throat> Speaking of keeping the word in your heart or, or there, 
I was taught by my navigator friend that there's different approaches to learning the word. And they go with the fingers of your hand. So the first one says you can hear it. Someone can tell you it. And that's just one finger on the word. Not very stable, is it? The second one might be where you read it. If you read it, you're going to learn a little better, right? You hear it, you read it. That's good. Better yet, if you study it. Three fingers on there, okay? You studying the word? You want to grasp the word? Study it. The fourth one, fourth one would be, just a minute, memorize. Thank you. Who knows that? See? Oh, yeah. Memorize it. Okay, if you memorize it, you've got it in there. And you can refer back to it. That's good. But I still don't have a good handle on it, do I? The fifth one and the most important is meditate. Meditate. You can hear it. You can read it. You can study it. You can memorize it. But the most important thing of all is to meditate on it. What does it mean to meditate? Anybody have any ideas? Think hard. Okay. Anything else about meditate? Ruminate. I love that. Steve knows. Part of the, uh, uh, what is it, entomology of that word is meditate comes from a word that's similar to, and I think it's called masticate or chew again, like the cow brings up. Yes. Marinate. Okay. So there's a lot of similar words about this because God knows that we really need to bring up the word again and chew on it, ruminate on it, think about it deeply because in those moments when you've got the word there, Jesus can speak and say, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to be. It's very powerful. Meditation, not just reading it, not just hearing it, not just memorizing it, using it, applying it to your life. Good stuff. <clears throat> John 5.39. John 5.39 is Jesus' rebuttal or discussion with the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. There's more there because it says, and that is, and it is these that bear witness of me. I have a, a, a part of scripture that just the idea that, that the Lord put out here in uh, Luke 24, 27, and then verse 32. In there, they were walking back just after Jesus had been uh, crucified, walking to Emmaus, and he came up to a couple of his disciples. And at that moment, in verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking with Jesus along that road and him telling you everything in the scriptures about him? What an awesome moment that would be. I look forward to, well, you can have that in your quiet time if you let him. So that's kind of what I strive for, is to let him speak to me and, and reveal himself. In 32, after he had departed from them, it says, and they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? It's much more than just the text, isn't it? It's pretty cool. I keep saying that because it's my transition. <laughs> but it is, and I'm just excited about it. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him 
and disclose myself to him. I am so glad, Lord, that what you're about is revealing yourself to us. Aren't you? That is his purpose, to let us know how much he loves us and what he wants us to do in our lives. He does it through scripture and obedience, as you can see in this verse, both parts of that. To this point, my best quiet times are those in which the scriptures lead me to a personal, deeper relationship with Jesus. And you know, our practice around this is right here. We read, study, and teach the Bible as the inspired word of God that leads us to Jesus Christ, the living word. It's about letting God do that in our lives. So I have uh, another visual aid here. This is a rock. And I stole it from Karen's class. She's teaching geology right now. <laughs> this rock's pretty cool looking rock. Can you see the crystals in there? Crystals, what, the backside? I should pass it around. That's how she teaches her students. Let them touch it. Let them feel it. But my question to you is, is this rock alive? John, why not? <laughs> You're using another big word. It's not organic. Okay. Doesn't change, doesn't breathe, doesn't reproduce. It's just a rock. God made it. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's very cool. But it's not alive. <laughs> I have a plant. This is our plant. Do you see it's shaped like a heart, sort of? Oh, is this alive, John? Why? It grows. Okay, others? Why is this alive? Marv? Uh, John said so. Anything else? It can reproduce itself. In fact, I uh, had to kind of prune it up to make it look better today. <laughs> Ooh, okay. He's a true biologist. Okay, so it responds, it breathes, it grows, it changes, all right? No, not essential creature. But we've got to have them around for the oxygen they give us. This is a book. It's called The Word of God, a Bible. Is it alive? No. The paper, the book itself is not alive. But we call it the, the word of God is alive, right? What's the difference? Jesus. It's not alive outside of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit bring it alive. Hebrews 4.12. I think I have this in the bulletin because it's one of my favorite verses. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both bones and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts 
and intentions of the heart. Have you experienced the word of God in that way? Has it come alive for you? Has it changed your life? Has it cut to the very heart of you? It has for me. I remember one time I was in a Bible study, one-on-one, and we were studying a verse in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. We put that up there. And you may be familiar with this passage. So I'm going to read the passage because it, it, it had a big, powerful jolt on my life. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. All discipline, for the moment, seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now, my friend, doing our Bible study on that verse had one poignant, powerful question for me, and it changed my life. He said, why does God discipline us? What would you say to that? Because he loves us. And I still cry when I say that. Because I had all this knowledge, I had all this thought, and all this practice around my Christianity. And it wasn't about that. It was all about the, the root of this verse. And this verse cut me to the quick and said, Doug, I discipline you because I love you. That's it. And from that point on, I began to learn more deeply about God's love for me. And I was able to love myself for who God had made me, how he had made me, and all of that. And in college years, this is when this happened, that was extremely important. And it's important for us now to realize this is why God disciplines us. This is why we go through life, so that we can know his love. So it's right there in the scriptures. If we just take the time to ask the right questions and think and meditate, remember? Dig deeper. Let the Holy Spirit guide us through. It's all because he loves us. <clears throat> this second practice here, we manage our thoughts and time so that we may pay attention to him. We practice silence and solitude. I've learned this lesson too, and I'm still growing, and I don't do it often enough. I mean, who has a schedule where you can do that every day, right? You could, but many of us are just so busy. We don't plan these kinds of times to be alone with God or silent before him. And here's the rock coming up. Um, but uh, I discovered this pr second practice when learning how to have a quality quiet time <laughs> one time. Um, I... Again, it was way back in college, but it was really fun and powerful. I snuck away on a Saturday morning and took my Bible with me and found a secluded grove of eucalyptus trees and sat down on the ground underneath them. 
and laid down. There were some uh, big birds, I forget what kind, uh, green, no. <laughs> no, they weren't vultures, they were egrets. Big egrets way up there nesting and all that. So I was watching that and I started to read the word and took a few notes and then prayed about the passage that I was studying. And I was tired. It was warm. It didn't take long. And I fell asleep. And I slept probably for about an hour. You know, that's precious time where I could have been studying the word. So I fell asleep in God's presence that day. And when I woke up, I was horrified. I was really upset. I had spent this time. I didn't, I, I was wasting this time before you, God. I was asleep. And I was thinking, what do I say? How do I pray to God? Because I was so upset about it. And then he just kind of, I heard this assurance in the wind. This is that verse, that voice you're talking about. How did I put it here? Um, I called it the whisper in the wind. And it said to me, Doug, don't worry. I watched you. I watched you sleep. And I loved watching you sleep in my creation. Be at peace. I suddenly realized that I had not wasted my time in God's presence. I had slept it in his arms. And as a result, I learned how much more he loved me. And he doesn't care what I do in my quiet time. It's not about what I do. It's about what he does. This is getting to know him. Jesus, the living word. I got to know Jesus through that time because it was silent <laughs> as I slept. All right. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. It's not about how I build my quiet time. It's unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor, uh, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and retire late to eat the bread of painful labors. This is a key part. For he gives to his beloved even in their sleep. He grants sleep to those he loves. He does it all. Just let him. Practice three, we expect to hear from him when we listen. That's um, Mark 4.23 and several other passages where Jesus said, let him who has ears, let him hear. Listen for God. He will speak. But you've got to listen. We had a silent time here just two weeks ago when um, I sat here, you know, encouraged us to stop, just be silent. Listen for what God might have to say. <clears throat> and so I got to thinking. And my thoughts went straight to my dad. Now, if you're on the prayer list, you know my dad is on hospice right now. And cancer is overtaking his body. And I'm a little anxious about what I'm going to say to him to help him get to know the Lord before he dies. I mean, you ever have a loved one who's dying and you're thinking, how am I going to share with them and get them to know the Lord? He kind of knows the Lord, but he doesn't have the peace of God in his heart yet. And so I got a little anxious about it during our time here in the silence and trying to listen to what God had to say. And I was rehearsing words I might tell him. And I got more and more anxious about it. But then I stopped. And I just kind of gave it to God in that silent moment. And I heard him tell me a reassurance. He said to me, 
Your father will be at peace. I will bring him to me in my time, in my own way. Just wait on me. I look forward to the words he has for me to tell him. If it's for me, if someone else, that's okay. I'm trusting him that he will put my dad at peace as he passes from this world onto the next. I'll be there as God calls me to, but it's God's job. And I can be trusting him for that. And I can trust him for that because I know the scriptures that help me know that. John 14, 27 Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world does, I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You know when you became a Christian, you experienced this great peace. We want that. We need it. He gives it. Ask him for that. If you don't have it now, he will give you peace. I also remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7. As I said, I was being a little anxious about it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 encourages us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word reminds us, it's a written word, it's the text. But the message is from God, and it's an assurance. It's his living word in us that I can memorize that verse, and I can know, Doug, don't be anxious. Just pray. It comes alive. So when we talk about we expect to hear from him when we listen, that's a big part of prayer, isn't it? Prayer is not a one-way conversation. <laughs> It requires a lot of listening. And that's what we want to do. Kind of a, another part of the word that I really love comes from a psalm you probably know. Psalm 119, verse 105. None? Mine says thy. <laughs> thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know Psalm 119, don't you? Every single verse talks about the word. I think just every single one. Is that right, Steve? And it's by the Hebrew alphabet. Every single verse in there is about the word. How many verses are in there? Anybody know? Not Steve. 150, I believe. Something like that? Oh, <laughs> thank you, Vinny. <laughs> 176. That's a lot of verses about the Word of God. It tells it's important. All right. I studied this verse, and I asked God to, you know, I kind of meditated on this verse a little bit, and there's two things that I love about it. The first part, the lamp. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. Okay, let's do that, that light. Okay, a lamp. It's just a small light, and in the dark, you put it on, you can watch where you're stepping. That doesn't go very far, but it goes far enough so you won't stumble. In our lives, we need a lamp. Oh, I get confused. A lamp to our feet. So the Word of God gives us help in those steps. But it also does the second part, a light to my path. 
Are you confused or want to know what's going to happen a month from now, where you should go in your career, what you should do in your family? The Word of God can illuminate that path for you. And it's Jesus who's going to speak to it. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. But I think it's both aspects of this that we need. We need illumination for our steps and illumination for the path. It's right there in the Word. So if you're wondering what to do with your life, look into the Scriptures and listen for what God would tell you about it. So I think it's really cool and very important. And I was going to, I forgot to write this on my thing here. It's and it's just how I see it. Jesus goes with me, step by step, right? Jesus goes with me, and Jesus goes before me. So many times I pray before a business meeting, before a talk like this, and I say the phrase, Jesus, go before me. Prepare the way. And he does, faithfully does that. And the word, as we just saw it in Psalm 119, 105, he does it. And uh, so Jesus goes before me, uh, sorry, Jesus goes with me, Jesus goes before me every day of my life, and I learn and grow by listening for him in many ways, including the scriptures. All right. Next Sunday, I have one question for you. It's right there at the bottom. It says, what is your favorite scripture and why? I've shared with you my favorite scriptures, and I've told you why. And it all points to Jesus. I would like you to think about that. Pray about this week and write it down. Write it down, and what you need to look at is what the passage reveals to you about Jesus' love for you. There's got to be a verse that the Lord used in your life. Bring it. Bring it with the idea that I'm going to wait on the Lord to share it as he calls me to. So it may not be that you're going to share it in the groups. You don't have to. So those who are shy, write it down anyway. <laughs> There's a different way to share it. Remember, we're committed to helping each other grow in him. So maybe at the lunch meal or maybe just the one-on-one -on -one sharing time. There might be a time when he has that verse for you to share. Uh, but I think it's going to help each of us grow in him as we share the verses that he's spoken to us, how it's come to life for us. So that's it. That's it, just the one assignment. What is the favorite verse that God has given you and why? How has it revealed Jesus' love to you? Okay? Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your powerful word. We thank you even more for your son Jesus who comes alive through the word that you've given to us, the scriptures written to remind us of your love, to bring us into that relationship with you that we are built for and desire so much. We know it's a process, and so we lift up that process to you. We know you're in charge, and so we trust you for each step and the paths before us that we might grow in you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be used by you to speak. I pray that the words I've said and the things we've shared together uh, will guide and direct each one of us further in following you. In Jesus' name, amen.